0: Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. But if you got your Bible this morning, please turn to uh, Nehemiah 7. That's where we're going this morning, Nehemiah 7. The title of my message is Gifts in the City, and uh, I'll be touching on that, especially right towards the end, where I'll be looking at the gifts that um, God has put in the city. Nehemiah 7. And can I ask Joe Asiba to read it out for us? And what's going to happen, let me just tell you, we're going to read from verse 1 till verse 7, and then we're going to go from there, and we're going to skip and read from verse 66 till verse 73. You got it? 1 till 7, 66 till 73. Amrifa is looking at me laughing, thinking, are you going to remember that, Joe? But um, go for
1: it. Where is Joe? Now when the wall had been built, and I'd set up the doors, hmm. and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hanania, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at the guard posts, and some in front of their own homes. The city was wide and large, But the people within were few, and houses had been rebuilt. Then my God put into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials, and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of the genealogy of those who had come up at the first, and I found written in it, these are the people of the province who came out from the captivity of whose Exiles whom the the king of Babylon had carried into exile. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. They came with Zerubbabel, Yeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nahamamni, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mezerapeth, Bisvai, Nehem, and Bania. Verse 66. The whole assembly together was 42,360 besides their male and female servants, of whom were 7,337. And they had 245 singers, male and female. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, and their donkeys 6,720. Now some of the elders of the father's houses gave to the ark. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 darics of gold, 50 basins, 30 priest garments, and 500 minas of silver. And some of the heads of the father's houses gave into the treasury of the house 20,000 darics of gold and 2,200 minas of silver. And what the rest of the people gave was 20,000 dariks of gold, 2,000 minas of silver, and 67 priest garments. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants, and all Jerusalem lived in their towns. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns.
0: Let's pray. Father, we thank you that even as we heard from Santosh, this is a special moment. This is a holy moment when we come before you. We do not just come to a stone that does not speak, that does not move. We do not just come to man who can make promise and that f- fulfill. We do not just come to a society or a group of people who come together. We come to the holy and living God, and I pray that this will be a reminder as we come together that God, the God of the heavens and the earth, is in our midst today. The holy, wonderful, mighty God is dwelling among us and in our midst today. Lord, search our hearts, as David say. It says that you are pleased when you search. Our you are pleased with integrity, and I pray today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, may the Word of God do a great work in our hearts in transforming us to become more and more like Jesus. May this be the next step, the next, Lord, leap in becoming more like Jesus Christ. Come and bless us through your Word. We submit under the authority of your Word today, and we say, come and speak to us through your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a couple of observations as we've just read this passage of Scripture, two observations that I want to bring to you before we delve into the words, just as a, almost an overview. From verse 1 all the way till verse 7 now, which is about to be a transition into something different, there has been a practical aspect on how to build the wall. The whole way has been about how do, does this town or this city, these people come together and are able to establish or build a great city of God. And from verse 1 of chapter 1, it was all about People hearing the news, Nehemiah hearing the news that the city is lying in ruins, and hearing that things are not good, and him planning, praying, and thinking about what else to do to see the the city of God established, and and the whole way we hear about how God is speaking to them and helping them to know how to practically align themselves with the purposes of God, practically so that they must see the wall built, but. When we come to chapter 7, things begin to change. It's no longer about the wall practically, it's no longer about building the city practically, it's about the spiritual aspect of the city. As much as God wants to establish my life in your life practically, He wants to provide the right job for me, He wants to provide the right circumstances, the right family, and the future for me, and everything that's practical. It is also the spiritual aspect, which we sometimes can overlook, and we can focus more on our needs. We can focus more on how we are provided, how we are taken care of, and we can forget sometimes that everything is linked to our spiritual life. My job, my everything is linked. So the focus from chapter 7 onwards is now about the spiritual aspect of the city. For some of you, life is really where you want it to be right now. You have the right job. You have the right family. You are happy. Things are going well. And it looks as though everything is in order, everything is put together. For some, it only takes a moment where things begin to fall apart that you realize that everything was about the physical. The physical aspect of your life, everything that you see is all in order, but then your relationship with God might not be in order. And sometimes we can take that for granted, especially when challenges do not come our way. You think you are sorted. You think you are right. You think everything is in order until you get a big surprise. And then you realize, my relationship with God has not been right all this time. My foundation is shaking. And I just want to encourage you today, like, let your life not just be about what you can see. Let let it not be just about getting your life in order physically and getting the right principles in place, living according to the values of your life, living according to the principles of God while your spiritual connection with God is not intact. Because it is from here now that God is beginning to build the city in a slightly different way. The walls are up, everything is in place, but God is continuing to build His city. And He's building in a different way now. He's focusing on building a man's heart. And I want to say this today, that God is not just building around you and building you up, bringing you to Dubai and helping you, providing for you and Making sure your family is provided for. Making sure everything is in place. God wants to build you spiritually in this place. He wants to establish you spiritually where there is a connection between you and God that is in place. That's the first observation here. Because the people of God, although they've been able to do everything that they needed to do, their hearts had to be challenged before God. And you, you just fast forward that into Nehemiah 8 and you realize that there is so much that still needs to be done. The second observation is this. is that although they're established now, they are here in this new place now, and they are here before God, this is not the first time they find themselves in Jerusalem. During Moses' days, there were two million people. They were thriving and they were looking forward to the promises of God, to a city set on a hill, to the land flowing with milk and honey. They were pumped even around Joshua's time. They were waiting and longing to see God do amazing things. They found themselves established in the city of God, and God gives them this great place, Canaan, and they find themselves in this place, and now they're working out what to do. And God cleanses everything. He clears the land. He helps them. They build a city. They build a temple. They build this incredible mighty city. Everyone speaks about this city, and he says it's the best thing in the world. You just have to fast forward it. A few hundred years later, they found themselves in exile. They All of a sudden, they were powerful. They were strong. There was a time where they were the greatest nation in the world. There was no other nation that was as good as them. They had everything. Their army was so great that all the world was talking about them. It was the best thing. And they were probably thinking, we are so strong, we will never be moved. Who thought that the great Roman Empire will collapse? Who ever thought that? Who thought that one day the great British Empire will collapse? Where are the Brits here. Who ever thought that? Seasons come, seasons go. We are in we are having a great time, things are working out for us and we shall not be moved. We are mighty, we are powerful. Under David's time, this was the greatest nation ever. And when, da- when Solomon took over the kinship from David, it became even more powerful. It was known around the world, people used to come from Africa, kings and queens, to just look at the temple. It was the most beautiful temple the world had ever seen. And inside it was coated with gold and it was like, this is the thing. And we find now it was just ruins, it was just broken walls, and nothing had happened for 70 years. They were in exile, there was nothing left of them. Two million, now as we read, 42,360. What happened? The best way I can tell you what happened is this way. When I first became a believer... Through my my mother, she was a strong believer in God. And uh, I was a skeptic, I was rebellious, I hated God, I didn't want to hear anything about God. That's where I was. I, in my life, thought I cannot be moved. I have the best brain right now. I understand what's going on with the universe. I know everything, and I'm... (laughs) I know that this is not true. And God came into my life in the most amazing way. Do you know what happened? My faith didn't just, I didn't just kind of tickle. My faith skyrocketed. I found myself everywhere. I was convinced. You'll be surprised to know this. I was convinced I was an evangelist. I thought I was the greatest evangelist you've ever seen. You see all these televangelists? They go around, they tell you people get saved, and, and all people around who gather thousands. I was convinced. You know why I was convinced? Because I had just had an encounter with God. And I was so surprised, to a point that I was so surprised, why so many people, millions and billions around the world, could not see what I'm seeing. Because I was so in, so deeply rooted in God, and I was seeing the power of God in my life, I was believing God. My faith was like Santos was referring to, like a, a mustard seed that I believe God. I say, although my faith is small, I believe you, I believe you, I believe you. That's where I was. And you probably were there at one point. You probably became a Christian. You felt like you were like a babe, and you, you just stepped out. You just did the impossible. I would come to church, and then I would wait, and then I would say, I just want to continue to worship God. I just enjoy where I am right now. I just enjoy the presence of God. Do you know what had happened? I had encountered the living God in my life. He had come into my life, and I'd seen him. He had changed me from the inside. The proud young man had just been transformed from the inside out, and I saw people differently. I saw life differently. I saw everything differently from then on. I'm sure you can identify, some of you. And then you fast forward your life, five years, ten years later, and you somehow wonder, you come to a meeting and you feel, even in the morning, not motivated to even come to a morning like this. You find when you walk in and you're thinking, why am I here? And immediately... Immediately, your phone, a message comes on your phone. All of a sudden, this is it. I'm just, I just need to respond to this message right now. It's so urgent. Everyone is worshiping. You, your mind is in a different place altogether. And there's a, a business deal. I need to close this one now. If I don't close it, my life is falling apart. And then people are singing, and you're wondering why they're excited about God in the first place. Because now... What was once up there is just now gone completely rock bottom. People are singing about the wonders of God, and you're wondering, I don't see it. I just see words after words after words after words. And deep in my heart, as I was growing in my spiritual life, weeds were growing as well at the same time in my heart. And they're choking And they're choking, and they choke, and they choke, and they choke. And all of a sudden, if I was to pray, and if I was to choose, there's a box set here, something on Netflix, and there's Jesus here. Come on. There's the new program on Netflix. I'm going to give myself to that. Suddenly, your worship changes. You are diverting everything. And now, the one who was your primary focus has just become the one that you sometimes visit. Can you identify with that? I can identify with that. I don't know if you can, but you are no longer in tune with God. Something has happened. And you know what? And then people around you, they start annoying you. You start having fallouts with people. And they are the reason why I've hit rock bottom. My my life is so bad at the moment. They are the reason. If Reynard hadn't said that to me, I would have a great relationship with God. If Billy hadn't sung that song like he did, and I would be in tune with God. And it becomes excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. As that happens, I'm drifting apart from God more and more and more on on a daily basis. Even the fear of God leaves me. I can do something that is, I know is morally wrong. And I think of I am saved by grace, which means um, God loves me regardless of what I'm doing right now. <laughs> and I found myself moving away from God more and more and more. What has just happened? Let me tell you. Jesus speaks in Revelations, Revelations 2-4. I want to read that so you know. He speaks to a church that was once thriving, and he now talks to the church in Ephesus. Remember, the church in Ephesus was the most multicultural church that was ever found. It was people like this. It was like Dubai, people from different backgrounds, different cultures like we are right now. They were thriving. They were an example. They were doing really well. And Jesus, he talks to them. This is what he says, I know your works, you guys are great, I know you guys, you come here every morning, you set up in the morning, you are doing really well, I know your toil and your patient endurance, you have been great, I know how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who will call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bear up for for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. I know that. But I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love you once had. The New Living Translation says, You don't love me or each other as you did. I believe this morning God wants to drive us all to our first love. Jesus, as the center of my life, when was the last time you had an incredible revelation of God to a point that you are just so undone? Or was it just when you became a believer? And you saw God. And since then, life has just been the same again and again. Today, tomorrow, it's just been a predictable thing. I believe, Sitheal, Hill, that God wants to speak to us all and say, remember your first love. I'm taking you back there to a point where God is enough in your life. Nothing else but God is enough. Nothing else ever satisfies in your life but God alone. That he will resonate with you. When you wake up in the morning, everything you do it will be done to the glory of God. Your morality, your physical, your spiritual, everything is rooted around God. The signal is just so in tune with God. Do you believe that God can do that? But first, let's, let's be honest. If I'm not there, I need help. We don't cut corners in the kingdom of God. God wants to take us back to our first love, where He becomes the focus of our life. And now, the people of God had just gone away, drifted for many years, and God is bringing them back to their first love. And God wants to bring us back to our first love today. He wants to restore that strong relationship with him. You know what it's called? It's called Revival. Where God revives your soul and you want God more than anything else. And you are so intoxicated with God that nothing else matters but God alone. And he does do that. And when he does it, it's just the most exciting thing ever. That's my second observation. But let's look at the story. One of the, fe- the first thing in, in chapter 7, verse 1 till verse 7, is that Nehemiah, he recognizes that the walls have been built and everything is in place, and yet he still asks everyone who is in charge of guarding the place to make sure that they guard the city well. Let me say this. Just because the walls are built in Jerusalem, it didn't mean that Sambalat, Tobiah were not there looking to destroy them. And Nehemiah is aware of this, that, hey, if we do not put the guards around the city, at the gate and everywhere, if we do not guard the city, we are in trouble. Before we know it, Sanballat, Tobiah, and everyone will be in the city. They're shouting from outside the city. They want to come in. They want to destroy the city. And if we are not careful, the walls alone won't do. Let's be on our guard, and here's a challenge today, City Hill. Be on your guard. I need someone here who is bold. I was gonna ask for Cami, but uh, I realized that won't do. Ray, do you fancy coming? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not gonna hit you. But let me say, let me show you something quickly. Yeah, 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 if that's okay. Sometimes I've just I've received Jesus in my life as my Lord and Savior. Everything is going well. I sing songs of joy. I Quote passages that are amazing. I don't take a picture right now. Um, I quote passages that are amazing. I cannot be moved. I'm more than a conqueror. My life is established. God loves me and He's always here for me. And sometimes I feel I've built my walls and nothing can ever move me. In my life, I think God, sorry, is in my heart, He's in my life. The enemy can never move me. He will just tickle me with his gloves. (laughs) Sometimes we live like that, as if I can never be moved. I'm so strong, I'm so established. Whatever he comes and brings my way, you know what? He's never gonna do anything else. I'm a Christian now. I'm saved by grace through faith, and uh, challenges don't go my way. Let me tell you this you are up for surprises. If that's what you think. Because Sambalad and Tobiah, just because they are on the other side of the wall, does not mean they are still as ruthless, and they're still as raw and determined to destroy your life. And that's what it is. You leave the gates open. What you're going to experience, Ray, is an incredibly amazing punch, that is going to knock you down. Now, this is serious. That is going to knock you down. Before you know it, you are wondering what happened to your life. Because for him, he always has his gloves on. He's always up for a fight. And he always is going for you to destroy you. And you think that because you are a Christian, you cannot be moved. The punches are not going to penetrate. And just guard yourself. Just be on your guard. That's money, yeah, especially because he won. he won this week. This is it. A Christian life is not like Ray was standing up. A Christian life is like this. This is the attitude always whenever you are gathered, you are saved, and you are in Christ, and you are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Always be on your guard. Sadly, you can sit down, I've I've hit you enough. (laughs) Sadly, for most of us, that's not the case. That's not the case. Nehemiah is not foolish. He realizes that although the walls are built, although we have Jesus in our lives, the Spirit of God is upon us, we have an enemy who comes in the most unusual way. Who has, who has watched the new Lion King here? Oh, that's the old one. And let me tell you why I put that old one there. It's because Ruth said I cannot put the new one. Hey, Ruth. Because apparently it's quite controversial. So Emily and I, we went to watch the new Lion King. And um, um, yeah, for, for our date, date night, we, we went to watch the new Lion King. And... Uh, <laughs> I came back rather disappointed, didn't I, Emily? I was whinging the whole way in the car. This is pastoral ministry. Whinging in the car all the way back home. Do you know why? Because it wasn't... Who watched it? I'm aware that I'm spoiling it for quite a lot of people here. And uh, can I just say, let me tell you why. Uh, because I didn't, so there are some scenes that I wasn't really comfortable with. I thought they missed some things, and then it wasn't as good as it once was. But let me... The first one. This was the remake... And, um, but there's a, there's a part in the Lion King that is so interesting. I find that so interesting because it really is like the gospel. Here's a little lion cub. He's so cute. He's, he's amazing. He is he's a royal. You can see he's, he's the son of the king. This is Simba. He's the son of the king, and he's so, he is so safe in the kingdom, right? Do you remember that? He's so safe in the kingdom. He can run around. He can go everywhere, and, uh, and he's told where not to go, so the boundaries are very clear, and the elephant graveyard, don't go there. Just play within this place. And he says, I cannot be moved. I am so safe. I'm where I'm supposed to be. But what happens is there is a man Uncle Scar is still there. Uncle Scar wants to take over the kingdom. Uncle Scar wants to dethrone his dad. And now little old Simba is very naive. And he goes to Uncle Scar He says, Uncle Scar, look around. All this is, is those passages that we, are, we use sometimes to encourage ourselves. All this belongs to me. One day, it belongs to my dad. It belongs to my king. One day, I'm going to rule over the whole kingdom. And Scar is laughing, and I say, really? Oh, that's great, and stuff like that. And Scar is this old lion. He looks like a, like, you know, this guy cannot even catch a prey. (laughs) He is so old. But it's like God is saying he has been disarmed. The enemy has been disarmed. He's old. He looks like he, he's not strong. He cannot catch prey. He's just nothing. But man, he's been around way longer than Simba has been. And this whole time, although he's not strong, and Simba says that he, his dad is the strongest king. He's strong. He's mighty. He, he's proud of his dad. Scar tricky old Scar is making plans behind the scene to completely destroy Simba's life. And he takes time. He devises the plan. He lies to him. He organizes a stampede. All of a sudden, Simba finds himself holding on to a branch like this where all these animals are running. And he calls Mufasa, come, go and rescue your, your son. And all he goes, Mufasa, to, rescue, to try and rescue his son. There's a trap. And then he, Mufasa dies because of the stampede. And after he dies, Scar comes to Simba and said, Look what you've done. You've killed your father. What is he doing? He's putting guilt in him. He so said, Be guilty. You've done it. And he says, what should I do now? Now he's receiving instructions from Scar. And Scar says, run, run, and never come back. He runs, covered in shame, cannot face his past because he's now broken as a little cub. The kingdom has been taken. The father is no longer there. He is being cast out of the kingdom. some of you, it feels like that at the moment. Guilt, shame is covering your your mind. You are living with regrets. You are living with shame. You are living with guilt. You are living as though you are not the son of the king. Your royal throne has been taken and Simba finds himself... Not preaching about Simba today, <laughs> but Simba finds himself eating insects with meerkat and with this one meerkat and one warthog. He's a lion. He's supposed to be eating f- meat, but he is eating insects. You know what? Insects. I, I looked it up. Meerkats eat insects, not lions. So this meerkat, this crafty little old meerkat, has been able to trick everyone to eat insects with him, even the great lion. Why? Because he's been completely thrown out. And he finds himself living not as the son of the king, living not as a strong, mighty lion anymore, living like a little meerkat. And sometimes in our lives, We find ourselves thriving in God and going and doing great exploits, but not guarding ourselves spiritually well enough to a point that we find ourselves, we wake up in the morning and we are living like we are not sons of the living God. And nothing ever satisfies us. God is no longer enough for us because we have other things that will please us. All of a sudden, we even find little insects more pleasing to us than the purposes of God. Never settle for little insects. You are a lion. And later, his girlfriend speaks to him and says, Simba, I came here to look for you. You're supposed to go back to be king. Remember who you are. Can I just speak to you, City Hill, my second point, remember who you are. You are. Remember your identity. The enemy comes so subtly, he whispers, he tricks you, he speaks into your life, he speaks certain words in your life, he allows you, he, he gets you to believe the lie about who you are. And before you know it, you are nothing. Before you know it, church is not a place. The people of God are I cannot stand them. Why we've believed the lie. We live in guilt. We live in shame. We cannot face our past. I feel like God wants to speak to someone here and say, I am doing away with the past. I am making you into a great lion. I am restoring your identity. I am bringing you to the fullness of who you are. And I want (coughs) to install you on the throne where you're supposed to be to rule and reign in this life by the grace of God. Remember who you are. Do remember who you are. The whole chapter seems to be talking about lots of names. Many, many many, names and that's why I said let's skip from this passage and let's talk about this passage because there are so many names in between right and we can read that and thinking it's just lots of names that's all there is it's just lots of names when I did my last year of school I don't know what you call it here what's the last year of school like final year is it GCSE like the last exam that you do what's it called a levels in South Africa is a big thing. And and you do this national, you you, you sit for this national exam, and you all sit across the country, it's the same thing. And you sit for these national exams and you study really hard, and there comes a day where your results have to come. You know what? They put them in the papers. The national paper. Your name is put on there. And people wake up very early in the morning. Any South Africans here? You remember that? You know that? you remember the day that you woke up very early in the morning to look at this paper? You probably don't read papers usually, but this time, no, no, I'm talking about myself, sorry. You probably don't read papers, but just this time you wake up in the morning and you are going to go through this massive thick paper to look for one thing, your name. And you can go through thousands and thousands of names. The sort of thing you don't do usually. Well, you don't just go through a paper and look for names. Secondly, you don't read a paper. But just this morning, you're going, going through thousands of names. You know what you are looking for? Your name. You're looking to see if your name is there. And then all of a sudden, Fusi David, mukwena my student number, and my results. And all of a sudden, I, I throw the paper up in the air, I start jumping like a gazelle, I start celebrating because something has happened. My name is right there. That's an interesting one, isn't it? You wouldn't read this, paper, this passage if your name was there, you were going to read it. Do you know that? I was going to go through it and said, "And there was Harold, and there was Pixie, and there was Cammy, and there was Joel, and there was Frank, and there was oh, I didn't realize that, that was his real name, but whatever. And there was this person, and there was that person, and there was the person, and that's Fusi Mukwena. Wow, my name is included. Dr. George, can I put you on the spot? I woke up one morning this week and uh, Having done all, everything, I, I looked at my messages and a series of them. And the first one was from Dr. Sangeeta. And then I opened it. And there is Dr. George in the papers. And that's his name and all in the article he's written. And uh, Dr. Sangeeta says, look at this. I don't know if you read that paper usually, but that day it was even more special. It was even more important. Why? Because your name was there. Let me tell you what, your name appears in the Lamb's Book of Life wait. Nobody else is there. Your name is written right there. So the people of God are standing there and the book is about to be read and somehow they're going through the names and they all are listening. They're not getting bored of this sermon this time and they are listening to the sermon. It's a sermon about names and somehow they're listening. They're paying attention for one thing and one thing only. I'm going to find if my name is there. If you are a believer in Christ, if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, in heaven you have a genuine Where Jesus is your brother and God is your father and you are part of the the genealogy that your name is right there. It's written in the Lamb's book of life. You are right there. Why is it that when things go hard and difficult here, you somehow identify with the world almost as though you don't have a heavenly genealogy? Why? We are there with Christ. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Set your mind on things above today. Never settle for less. Remember who you are. You are a child of the living God. I can imagine this, that one day with the seven trumpets, as we, as we are told in Revelations, the seven trumpets are blowing the 24 elders are standing before the throne of God, as it says in Revelations. 24 elders are bowing and worshiping God. All of a sudden, the 144,000 people that stand there and speak about how great and mighty God is. And the lamb that was slain, that is, looks as though he was slain, is lying there. And John beholds this. And he also he sees this great and heavenly Jerusalem with a multitude that no man can count from every tribe, every nation, and every country, and he's observing this, and the city of God comes, and it's been restored, the new and heavenly Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, you find yourself, you wake up and find yourself right at the center of the future. Let me tell you what, you are at the center of the future, because your name is somewhere in the book that is great, and your name is sealed in Christ. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And it is a gift of God, not what you've done, but God has loved you so much through Christ that he has been able to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. The priest, the high priest used to wear what used to be called an ephod. And on that ephod, there was a breastplate. And the breastplate, this breastplate had 12 stones on it. And every stone represented the tribe's Each and every tribe of Israel. Let me tell you why. You have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who's not wearing 12 stones on his chest and on his breastplate, but he's wearing millions and billions of stones on his chest that carry your name, that carry City Hill, that carry you as an individual, because you are knitted with him and you are caught up right with him. Why do we settle for the world? Settle for God. And lastly... There are gifts in the city," says the elders, the levers, the priests. They brought gifts to the city, and I just what I would love to do is I don't want to I don't want to preach this this time. I just want to bring words of knowledge to people here, because I believe God wants to say you are a gift to the city. It wasn't just what they were bringing; it was them. Because without them, there wasn't this gift that they could contribute to establish the, 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 the new Jerusalem, to establish the new city of God. It was them as a gift and what they're bringing. And I believe God spoke to me about a few people this morning, but I believe he can speak to us about more. Patrick Gambin, can you stand? I don't want to embarrass you, but I am. I feel God wants to speak to you. I had a lovely evening with Patrick, challenging, talking, and very exciting. I enjoyed it. Emily and I enjoyed having you at our home this week. But I just want to say this. You are a gift to us. You are a gift to the body of Christ. I just want to encourage you. What I picked up from our conversation was the gift of discernment that you had. It was incredible how God has given you the gift of discernment. And I want to say this, use it to the glory of God. You, your part, your role here. Whether, sometimes you find yourself frustrated with things and just, or you find things really frustrating. God wants to say to you right now, you have been placed, handpicked and placed here because you are a gift. And I believe God wants you to use your gift of discernment to build His church. To the glory of God. I want to pray for you. Just stay standing. Marcus. Where is Marcus? Marcus, can you stand? I believe God wants to say to you, you're not just talented. You are also gifted. God wants to raise you up, Marcus. And I believe God wants to say, forget the former things. I'm about to do something new in your life. I believe that. I believe God says, when I was praying for you, you are a gift here. And God is going to show you and reveal the kind of gift you are. And you have a massive role to play among us. Juliana and Audrey. Is Audrey here? Juliana, can you stand? I believe God wants to say, I'm going to raise you up, you and Audrey, as intercessors among us. You are great prayer warriors. Rise up and raise many as prayer warriors in the church. I believe that. Every time I want something, I look, I'm looking for someone to pray, I know I can call on you. I can call on Audrey. But I ju- just believe today that God wants you to raise many, many prayer warriors in the church. As intercessors. You are a gift to the body of Christ. And God wants to honor you and re- today. Harold and Pixie, can you also stand? I believe God wants to say to you, you have sacrificed a lot for the kingdom. God sees. And he sees your heart of compassion. He sees some of the hardships, the difficulty. God wants to say to you, you are not alone. I'm going to come through for you in a way, Pixie, that you've not seen before. You are a gift to the body of Christ. There were times where you stood for truth and you stood just as a couple. Everyone else left. It's like Jesus saying to his disciples, are you also going to leave me? He said, we have nowhere else to go, Master. I believe God wants to honor you. And I want to honor you for your hardship and how you endured and for your compassion and your care for the people. How you've been a father and a mother, I think has been great. John and Cecil, can you stand? Anton and Christina, can you stand? Sorry, I I believe I can go around and I know there's just so many. And the team that works with you in everything that you do. You are very inspiring. You are a gift, not only to this body, but to the city as well. All that you've been doing behind the scene when we don't see. The work that you're doing in the the consulate, which is tomorrow, by the way. Be there at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. Be there the Filipino consulate. What you guys have been doing and the chess tournament and what you guys put together. I believe God says, you haven't seen what I'm about to do. I'm going to do something massive through you. You are a gift to us and you also are a gift to the city. God wants to say to you, do not grow weary and lose heart. Kevin and Helen, can you stand? I believe God says, I was talking to Helen. I don't want to spoil this, but God has given her, two. few weeks ago, I was talking to you, and uh, talk, you were saying, I'm looking for a job, and now I'm talking to you. You said, God has given me the most amazing job. It's amazing. God has come through for you, but I just want to say this. Even as you are new here, you're probably two months now, I believe God wants to say to you, he has placed you here for something bigger. I don't know what it is. You are a gift to us and your children and God is going to use you mightily here. As I was praying, I felt God put these people in my heart. Can we all stretch out our hands and pray for them? Why don't we stand and stand around them? I believe you should ask God, Lord, Making myself available for you, what would you like me to do? What would you like me to do? Father, Lord, it's not just these guys. Everyone here who's standing here is a gift. Every single person here is a gift to the body of Christ. Lord, I pray today, particularly for those who I've called out. I pray today that, Lord, they will go from strength to strength. That, Lord, they will surprise themselves. And, Lord, that they will rise above the challenges and they will be mighty in you. Raise them up, I pray. Raise every single one of them up. Let your spirit come upon them. Let the Bible, Lord, be so real to them. Lord, the truth and the promises that are written in the Bible be so real and so true to them. And Lord, I pray, may they never grow weary or lose heart. Lord, would you raise them up. May we see them, Lord, as mighty oak trees in the church. I pray, raise them up, Lord. Raise them up right now. Come upon them. Let your spirit come and rest upon them. Let your spirit come and rest upon them. Come and do it right now. Can I ask you to do one thing? I, wanna, I want us to bless one another this morning because I feel God is impressing this on my heart that you are a gift. You're not just a person, a nameless, faceless person. You are a person with a name and your name is important, but you are a gift. Can you just turn around and look for someone and really encourage and speak faith over them right now? Can you just go? And if you're not a A Christian or, you know, just don't worry. Someone will come and say, I don't know this stuff. This is new to me. It's okay. Someone will come and pray for you. Pray for one another right now. Let's go and minister to one another. Let's do it now. Can we just cut around? Let's just minister to one another. And just encourage everyone, you are a gift from God. Let's do that. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about
1: City Hill Church.